Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preacher's contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to Godsplaining. I am Father Jacob Bertrand. Today, I'm here with our very own Father Gregory. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm back in uh, Freeburg, and um, weather's beautiful. So I was sitting outside earlier, reading a book about the atonement by Eleanor Stump. And uh, yeah, one of the friars was like putting down new mulch in the garden, which was nice. It's always good to survey someone else's work while you yourself do not work. Well, I suppose I was doing work of a certain sort, but certainly not his work, work that permitted me to keep my hands free of mulch. So I would describe my present state as... Um, Peaceful and um, delightedly aloof from gardening. Hmm. From gardening. Okay, that's great. Well, I might have said this on another episode at some point or another, but when I decided to enter religious life, my dad said that I entered religious life to avoid doing manual labor because I always hated doing yard work growing up. Or at least that's how it's proposed. Like the past is kind of, you know, retold by the victor. And I guess like my dad won this one. But I don't <laughs> remember having a particular disdain for yard work. But just like a disdain for having to do like mulch things mm. and like whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So see, I think it's it's a matter of finding what work you like. Because when chores were apportioned in our house, it typically wasn't done by like proclivity or affinity. It was just done by random maternal fiat. But I came to discover there are a couple of things that I do like doing. Folding laundry. Nice. Ooh, hate that. Um you really least okay. favorite chore. Oh, at least I I dread folding laundry like i will I have to it. when i do laundry i will have to dump out the clean clothes like from the laundry when i bring it back to my room i'll have to dump it on my bed so that i will fold it because i'm a little ocd and if i won't go to sleep if the work's not done so that's the only way i, I hate folding i'd rather like like clean the bathroom and like do dishes and like dust. i'd rather do anything i'd rather mulch than fold laundry bold strategy yeah. i i don't know what it is i just don't like it okay so. well um i'm sorry for your negative experience and i'm here for you <laughs> thank you uh, if you were really here for me you'd fold my laundry oh one other story that has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about but um when we were when my first summer assignment our first summer i was assigned that was so this was like 2012 i was assigned to our community in louisville kentucky where father gregory was his first priestly assignment and at the time there was uh, a woman working at the house she was kind of the housekeeper but had gotten older and it was just kind of doing laundry and like my mother did my laundry growing up and then when i went to college like whatever i did my own laundry um, but i've never had a stranger do my laundry and there was in that in that house like the prior was like so i forgot her name but she that he was like she's gonna do the laundry i was like mm, i prefer to like i'm like a 24 year old man i prefer to wash my own underwear and he's like no she's gonna do your laundry because that's her <laughs> job and that's what she gets like okay so all the laundry everything but the habit came back uh washed laundered washed folded and ironed pressed like starched into like a six by six square so like from underwear, socks, shirts, everything came back in like a six by six square and one tall stack. And that was like, <laughs> you're like three foot stack of laundry every week. It was great. So uh, yeah. I didn't like that either. So I just yeah. have a bad thing with laundry, but we're not talking about laundry. Today's episode is not on chores and it's not on laundry. Uh, in fact, it has nothing to do with those things, but it might because laundry drives me nuts. So 
today we're going to talk about spiritual direction and counseling. Um, you might, after listening to me, think that I might benefit from a little of both. Uh, but we're going to talk about spiritual direction and counseling. Uh, we've talked about both, I think, separately in different ways, perhaps not devoted full episodes to either topic, but have talked about them in various ways. Um, we've gotten a lot of questions about spiritual direction, uh, less so about counseling, but more about like the role of spiritual direction in our live episodes, particularly. So it's something that um, it just even in like the God-splaining circle, however small that is, people have been asking and uh, we've been talking about. It's also something in a wider circle and perhaps a circle that more people care about, like the general world. Um, that, you know, if you look at statistics um, about the number of Americans who are diagnosed with some sort of um, uh, health, mental health issue, whether that just be anxiety, depression, something more serious, there are, you know, some some reports have staggering numbers upwards of like one in four Americans are dealing with these issues. Um, uh, and then even like thinking about the pandemic in the last year and a half, almost two years now, uh, even more incredible statistics about the people, about numbers of people who struggle with just mental health in various capacities and in various ways. So it's it's a live issue. It's a real topic. It's a real thing. And to pretend or not to pretend, but to to not recognize some ways by which like our mental health is united or connected to our spiritual health and our just our health, uh, our well-being as human beings would be a bit short sighted. So we thought we'd talk about the relationship between the two, how um, how they sit together, how they don't, um, where maybe some pointers at some point about where like a priest's expertise is and ends and, and those sort of things. So just to have a conversation. So, Father Gregory, kick us off. Um, get us into the into the topic into this discussion about spiritual direction and counseling and their relationship and that sort of thing yeah i think that just consulting our experience many of us feel in some way limited in our approach to life so we talk often on god's planning about happiness and how whenever we you know know and love whenever we seek to better understand or better to kind of choose in a certain situation we're motivated by happiness because we want to be kind of right with God, with self, with others. And um, oftentimes we feel ourselves deficient in some way, shape, or form. So we're motivated by this desire to overcome whatever obstacles or impediments keep us from being happy or growing in happiness. And in so doing, a lot of the, the means or a lot of the instruments that the church offers for our assistance, while, you know, good, excellent, um, consoling uh, in their own way, to us feel kind of humble. And so we can have the experience of feeling like we're somehow missing out. Like, okay, I've been praying, I've been making decent use of the sacraments, maybe I've introduced a little bit of penance into my life, and Still, I feel myself unhappy or unhealthy or feel myself not yet fully realizing my potential as a human being, as a Christian. And so we hear other people talk about, you know, I did thus and such in the context of spiritual direction, or I went and saw a mental health professional and I had this breakthrough. And so we feel like, okay, if other people are having uh, good experiences in these settings, maybe I too uh, should avail myself or maybe I, sh I too um, should, you know, set up an appointment or, you know, take the, take the plunge. Um, and then the question is, where do I turn or to whom do I turn and, uh, and how? So, yeah, I don't know, maybe just talk a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think that like the, what you, what you started to point out and what you were kind of getting it to, and then is, is important to understand the purpose, um, or the end 
uh, I think we talk about like knowing the ends of things a lot um, because so often we don't, or so often like the world doesn't propose that as knowing what some like what the true purpose for something is before pursuing it, or so like understanding the difference between um, spiritual direction, counseling, or their end, what they aim to what they aim to accomplish is I think a really important starting point because if we go into like a spiritual direction meeting, if we think that somehow a priest in spiritual direction is going to um, play the role of mental health counselor and, and help me deal with some sort of, uh, you know, uh, mental health issue. It's just, it's probably not going to happen. I mean, there might be like corresponding beneficial effects, but uh, the same in the same way, you wouldn't go to like a mental health counselor to, um, or a psychiatrist or a psychologist to like work out things spiritual specifically. So maybe starting there in, in offering a, a sort of, at least from the, the spiritual side, the priest side, like what are expectations vis-a-vis the actual things, spiritual direction, counseling, what, what should we as people pursuing the Lord expect from one or the other or, or how to like look at them to use them well? Yeah. So I think, yeah, just as you kind of give indication, it's helpful to talk about them in light of their ends or in light of the goals that they seek to accomplish. So counseling, you know, the approach is therapeutic and what a mental health professional is trying to address are maladaptive patterns of thought or of behavior. So you have different schools, you know, and you can think about whether someone is more so trained in like psychoanalysis or more so trained in behaviorism or more so trained in something a little more contemporary like cognitive behavioral, which tries to go about a war on both fronts. Maybe, maybe war isn't the best word, but tries to pursue it on both fronts. And what that individual, what that professional is trying to do is propose adjustments and um, kind of like rehabituate the person to healthy living. Whereas in the context of spiritual direction, the approach and a word that we sometimes use on the show is more mystagogical. So the idea is that God proposes kind of like mysteries of divine life. I mean, God doesn't propose and like a kind of here I am at the front of a classroom and I'm going to set forth certain propositions, but God gives himself, uh, God offers himself to the human person. Um, and he does so, so as to lead us into the divine life. And what a spiritual director does is try to accompany, and that's a word that's kind of become au courant in the last 10 years, um, try to accompany the individual on that path. So to help you know, him or her enter more perfectly into the divine life, and so as, you know, to seek ways to help the individual consent to and cooperate with grace um, more excellently, more freely, more generously, however you want to describe it. Um, so in light of those two things, you know, we as priests are kind of trained in seminary or in, uh, you know, religious formation to be cognizant of our own competence. You know, we had a professor who told us, you're trained basically to administer the sacraments, to preach with a modicum of, <laughs> with a modicum of excellence. Right? And then to offer something in the way of spiritual counsel, but not too terribly much and unless you really pursue that. Whereas a counselor would be trained in these more kind of therapeutic things. So then, um, yeah, the question is, given what they offer, do I need one? Do I need the other? Do I need both? How, you know, how should we think about that? How do we go about making that decision? Yeah, I think in, in beginning to think about like, what do I need? Uh, there it's it's important to point out too that um both spiritual direction and 
counseling of whatever sort um, are are tools here. So uh, we can talk about them as as tools and as aids um, for the person. So like we've been we've been comparing the two counseling and spiritual direction by by way of contrast. Um, that's not to say that they are wholly unrelated, uh, you know, but they they both serve a particular and in our, our tools. So one of the things that I think Father Gregory and I are, agree on, um, there are probably more than one one thing, maybe more than a couple, but one of the things that we do agree on with respect to spiritual direction, it's like, uh, is how it's used as a tool in the spiritual life. Sometimes I'll tell people like, spiritual direction is not the eighth sacrament. It's not necessary for salvation, but it can be super helpful uh, for particular things or particular times or circumstances in life. Um, I think we could say the same thing about counseling generally. I mean, some people might need it more more um, immediately than others, but it's also not. Uh, and this, I think we'll talk about a bit later in the episode, sort of just like expectations from um, entering into one other or both. But, you know, these are these are tools to help lead us to a sort of whole and integrated humanity, um, whether it's with just our mental health or our spiritual life, the combination of both in those those kind of things. So I don't know if you have anything more to, to say if we about that, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that a good kind of disposition with which to approach the question is to say, yeah, maybe I need it and maybe I don't. Um, and it might be important and it might be not. So just to approach the question somewhat modestly, uh, if you think about it just at the level of statistics, um, you know, in the United States of America, among practicing Catholics, if you were to compare the number of people who are in the pews versus the number of priests who are available for spiritual direction, I think it works out to be about one priest per 2,100 practicing Catholics. So then if you do the math on that, typically one goes to spiritual direction for about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, uh, like once every four to six weeks. Um, so it's impossible that everyone seeks spiritual direction. And the next question is, okay, of those practicing Catholics, who then should go? Should it be, you know, people who what have like the most problems or struggle with habitual sin? Should it be people in particular states of life? Should it be people who are discerning particular vocations? Should it be, um, I don't know, people who donate more to the church and as a result of which should expect more comparable benefits from their pastoral care? Like whenever you try to assess it on like on one of those criteria, things get, or one of those, yeah, one of those criteria, things get like a little bit weird. <laughs> um, so I, I don't, I don't think that we want to be like too cold and calculating about it. You know, if you struggle with habitual sin at this frequency, or if you go to the sacrament of confession with this, you know, then you should, no, it's, it's not like that. I think we should start with a kind of modest approach and say, okay, God gives you a variety of means to attain to perfection. He gives you, you know, his only begotten son. He gives you the church. He gives you the sacraments. He gives you grace, virtue, gifts of the Holy Spirit. He gives you all kinds of great things. Spiritual direction is one of them, but as, like you said, it's not the eighth sacrament. When you, when you kind of put it um, in rank order on this hierarchy, it's, it's not as important. Um, and so that is a good way by which to kind of hold off at arm's length or keep at bay this clamorous fear that if I don't seek spiritual direction, then maybe I'm missing out, or maybe there is some unknown, unaddressed obstacle to perfection that were I to know it in the context of spiritual direction, I would be the next Padre Pio, or I would be the next, you know, Blessed Virgin Mary. So that's just simply to say, maybe, Maybe not. Take the pressure off yourself, and then I don't know. Maybe work on some of the principles that we'll that we'll discuss as we go forward. Yeah, 
Okay, we're going to take the pressure off of us for a minute now, too. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break as we're kind of halfway through halfway through our time. Uh, but when we come back, we'll talk a bit more about this. Maybe, maybe not. Do I need it? Do I not? And then uh, consider some um, ways by which to go about approaching spiritual direction, counseling, expectations with regard to these things. So um, stay tuned. We'll be right back. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. Welcome back to Godsplaining. Father Jacob Urchin here with Father Gregory, and we've been talking about um, spiritual direction and counseling, the relationship between the two. Um, how they interact, how they don't, uh, maybe not so much about how they don't interact, but kind of what they are and how they can be useful and helpful. And just before the break, Brother Gregory was talking about the question of like, do I need one? Do I need to go to spiritual direction? Do I need to find a spiritual director? Um, do I need to see a mental health counselor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist? Do I need both? Do I need a priest who's a mental health counselor? Gosh, there's the <laughs> limitless options and iterations of this. Um, and I think one of what, what Father Gregory was saying just before just before the break is um, is really helpful um, to recognize that our Lord um, reveals, gives himself in ordinary and sure means that are um, kind of guarantors uh, of our salvation. You know, if we participate in them and offer ourselves and cooperate with the grace that's offered. And and that's the ordinary course of the Christian life. So the sacraments through the through the the church offering the sacraments, the regular prayer life, the pursuit of virtue, um, living a graced life. Uh, but then, of course, there are aids and helps that benefit that spiritual direction. Counseling might be one of those. Um, and to to reiterate yet again what Father Gregory said is that um, there there those that saying that doesn't mean that like those who go out to seek one or the other are somehow like doing too much, like overachievers here, but rather just the opposite that like we can trust and we ought to take great confidence in the reality that um that there are sure means of pursuing and and entering into friendship with Christ. So, um I don't know. I, did did we cover everything that we did you say everything on that? Yeah, I think you did. You're nodding. Okay. So, um let's talk about then like what it what we should be thinking about, I guess managing expectations uh in approaching spiritual direction and approaching counseling and approaching these things with respect to the end of growing in holiness and growing closer to Christ. Um, yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Maybe a good place to start would be just to talk about, or to return to this theme of happiness. And here, maybe I'm just going to give vent to my generally melancholic disposition, but because, because in the church we do talk regularly or frequently about happiness, sometimes it gives the impression that everyone should be happy. And if you're not yet fully happy, then you are lesser as a human being. Um, so it's, it's almost as if to say like, this present life should be wonderful because you know we talk about heaven, we say that the present life should be an anticipation of heaven, and if heaven is beatific, then this life should be a kind of beginning of that beatific life. But I think that we can kind of, again, hold that off at arm's length and simply say that a lot of people are unhappy, and that's just fine. Not in the sense that we should celebrate our unhappiness and be like, I'm not okay, you're not okay, everyone's not okay, let's just wallow in our unokayness. But I think that 
you know, it's just, it's, it's helpful to be cognizant of the fact that human life is very hard. Um, and it can be very sad. Uh, it can be anger inducing in a variety of ways. Uh, and that's okay. It's okay to be a bit beat up. It's a, it's okay to feel like you're just kind of taking it from all sides because life just is that way. And if we return to the wisdom of St. Thomas Aquinas and some of the sources from which he draws, he has a kind of, I don't know, um, kind of simple appreciation for the type of happiness which is possible here. And, and you'll hear it described as a kind of imperfect happiness. So the happiness which we await in heaven is a perfect happiness insofar as it's you know, full and it can't be lost and you have no anxiety about it being lost. But here, it isn't full. It can be lost. And we do have anxiety about it being lost. And also, the types of things which constitute our happiness in heaven here are going to be interrupted. They're going to be kind of storm-tossed and shipwrecked in a variety of ways. So, you know, you're just living your life and then someone whom you love dies. Or you're just living your life and you contract some serious illness. Or you're just living your life and you lose your job. Are you supposed to, in that moment, say, the, the most important thing in this setting is that I smile a lot and that I, you know, however it goes, I project a kind of happiness because if I don't, then I am not the saint which I am destined to be. It's like, <laughs> no, no, you don't have to add to your present sorrow or your present trauma the additional guilt of feeling like you're, you're processing it incorrectly or processing it less than optimally. It's okay, you know, a lot of life is difficult and a lot of life is sad. That's very encouraging. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, one of the, I guess one of the ways by which to think about the reality of what Father Gregory was just explaining is, is to recognize that, uh, probably as, as many of us already do, that, that we are, like in the church here on earth, we, we often talk about the church as a pilgrim church or a church on the way. And uh, when, you, when you consider what that means to be like a true pilgrim or somebody who's truly on the way, um, it's not, we're not talking about like a luxury, all-inclusive kind of like uh, trip or like on, on like an ocean liner where we're just like sitting with, you know, enjoying meals and, and like playing shuffleboard and that sort of thing. Like that's, that's not, that's not what life is about. And I, I don't, you, y'all don't need me to tell you that. Um, I think our own experiences are sufficient evidence to, to make that point clear. Um, but it's just to, again, to recognize that there, like, even in the best of circumstances, even in the, like the, the most simple of, of kind of, um, paths of life, there are worries, there are concerns. And to expect that not to be, um, somehow magnified, um, because of our own sin, because of the fallenness of the world, because of like the insanity of the world, because of this, that, you know, um, because of our, uh, whatever, even, even our, um, weaknesses and brokenness that doesn't have to do with our sin, you know, these kind of things that it's going to come and it's going to, um, there, there will be periods of difficulty in life and the Christian, the Christian life doesn't promise our Lord doesn't promise to take that away, but to fulfill it and to lead, to continue to lead us on the way to that place wherein it will be fulfilled. Um, so the, the whole, like the whole virtue here, um, at least in this point of like managing expectations is really the virtue of hope. Um, and, and hope pertains, the object of hope is, is, is that which is that which has yet to be attained. You know, we can't hope for something that we already have, but we hope for, for heaven and, and the perfection that comes there. So like Father Gregory was saying, it's, it's like, it's very important to recognize that it's okay sort of not to have everything perfectly aligned or not to be perfectly happy or not to be perfectly whatever, because we're not, 
we're just simply not. And I think that takes like a big burden or big pressure off of us because we don't have to go out in the world. I mean, I'm not saying like when someone asks you on the street, like, how you doing? You just like unload and on the <laughs> next stranger, but you don't, you know, there, there doesn't have to be the sort of attempt um, to kind of like uh, force a false facade of happiness. So, yeah. Well, one thing I think is helpful is a lot of times when we talk about happiness, we associate, we associate it with a kind of um, outwardly manifest joy, but I think, it's helpful to introduce into the conversation another paradigm of happiness, which is doing the thing that you, you know, are convicted that you're called to do. So the word that I use most often is fit. Um, <laughs> I had a mass across town a couple of days ago and, you know, I, I meditated on the readings and I prepared a homily, but um, I don't like to preach from a text too terribly much in one because composing a text in French for me takes like a thousand hours, but also because I just end up reading something to them, losing eye contact. And I feel like a lot of that, preaching exchange is lost. Um, so I'm here in this chapel with like 35 young people who are doing a year internship with the Philanthropos Institute. And I was trying to explain to them this idea Well, I was trying to preach this idea of like being where you ought to be or being where you're supposed to be without importing like a kind of moralism into it, like do the things that you should. And I was searching for words. And finally, I was like, in English, the word is fit. <laughs> so I think that, th that we derive a kind of peace and in truth, a kind of happiness from the recognition that I'm supposed to be here and, you know, God be praised that I am here. A phrase that I often use is just playing the hand that you're dealt. Because I think that sometimes we're haunted by the fear that, you know, real life is elsewhere. And if I could just get to that real life, then things would be good. Whether that be, you know, like once I have financial security or once I'm in my state of life or once everything kind of settles down, then I'll be dot, dot, dot. But what that does is it effectively pushes your happiness off to some kind of future ill-defined date where you may or may not arrive. So I think that if we, you know, kind of interiorize this disposition of, okay, all right, this is my life. I'm going to play the hand that I'm dealt. And that may entail some trauma or some psychological disintegration. The point is not to say, all right, I'm going to banish thoughts of those things or the recognition of those things. Rather, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move through those things, right? I'll consent to those things. I'll, I'll address those things. I'll find my real life in those things rather than seeking it elsewhere. And that doesn't mean, again, that you make of yourself a doormat or adopt a kind of victim spirituality, but it's to say like, we can't flee, we have to enter. And in entering, we come to discover, all right, this needs to be addressed in spiritual direction. This needs to be addressed in counseling. But ultimately like, life is to be lived and I don't, I, yeah, I don't need to have additional anxiety at the thought that maybe there's another life to be lived or a life to be lived elsewhere. Yeah, so thinking about, I guess, from Father Gregory, from your perspective as a priest, um, one who is engages at times in spiritual direction, I think, um, probably not in counseling, I think, uh, giving counseling, you know, you who knows, I don't know, maybe, maybe <laughs> you're like a, a secret psychologist, I don't know, no, I do know, I know you're not. Uh, what, what do you think, as far as like expectations should be so we talked about like happiness anxiety kind of things but like and looking at someone perhaps who's considering maybe i need a spiritual director or maybe i should see a mental health counselor like what what is the like vis-a-vis -vis the end of the christian life what is what what should we expect in pursuing those things or hope to get out of them really yeah yeah maybe maybe a helpful way to organize it is just to talk about the three ages of the spiritual life you know you got beginners proficients and perfect and in the beginning stages you're dealing a lot with habitual sin 
And when dealing with habitual sin, the best kind of fix, as it were, or the best move is regular confession and ideally with the same person insofar as there's greater familiarity there and kind of greater accountability. But in the context of regular confession, sometimes you discover that part of your habitual sin is an unaddressed and deep-seated trauma. And in that case, then it might be the move to, to seek counseling and you would talk that through with your spiritual director. And kind of as you, as you move through those initial stages and kind of, you know, you know, cease to be as haunted by or as beleaguered by habitual sin and you find, okay, there, I, I, I've begun to experience this real call for perfection and it's animating me and it crops up in my thoughts with kind of bewildering frequency and I really want to be about the work, uh, but I need to know more about the spiritual life. I need to know more about, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how I can be more prompt in my um, ascent to the workings of God in my life, then that might be a, an opportunity or an occasion for, for spiritual direction. I think it's especially helpful for those who are discerning a vocation. Um, I think it's especially helpful for like priests and religious um, insofar as those are, those are places of kind of heightened vigilance uh, regarding like perfection in, in the spiritual life. And it's not because priests or religious are per se better than lay Catholics. You know, uh, Second Vatican Council Lumen Gentium says quite clearly, you know, all of us are called to the perfection of charity. But sometimes, you know, certain persons will experience it with a greater urgency or experience it um, with, uh, it seems as if God is giving more manifest gifts or more abundant gifts which have with them a kind of greater responsibility for stewardship. Um, so that would be, I, th I think that that's kind of the criteria that I use by and large. And I think that that's, yeah, I think that that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess in our last like couple minutes together, any final thoughts about, about any of this, about pursuing spiritual direction, about counseling, about not pursuing them, about expectations? Yeah. Any of that? Yeah. I think, um, uh, maybe maybe just some f yeah final thought about when you look at the lives of the saints, some of them are are paragons of you know psychological integration, but that's not necessarily the case, and that's not to say that we look back on 13th century saints and say like wow how how crazed were those people, um, but also yeah we just we just don't know what the Lord was doing in a life, and to pursue holiness is not necessarily or always going to look like psychological integration. That's not to say like you know, you have a mental health issue, leave it to the side, just pursue holiness, because that's kind of anthropologically or it's kind of philosophically irresponsible. Um, but I think that life will sometimes entail serious trauma and psychological disintegration, and that doesn't make you a second-class citizen in the life of the church, like you're thereby impaired from pursuing holiness. Um, when you think of like St. Thomas Aquinas, for instance, at the end of his life, he was writing at a rate of like 15 pages a day, which probably was too much if you just look at it from self-care perspective, right? But I, as a Dominican who reads Summa Theologia with great frequency, am super grateful that he did that. And some people think, you know, on December 6, 1273, when he had a vision of God that corresponded with a mental breakdown. And, you know, that's a little bit of revisionist history and who's to say, but okay, all right, just take it on its face value. He was pursuing the Lord and maybe he went about it by less than excellent means, but we shouldn't you know, we shouldn't necessarily go back and say he wasn't holy because he wasn't healthy. I think you pursue holiness, right? You pursue God. And if he makes you, if he makes you holy, God be praised. If he makes you happy in this life, God be praised. Certainly he will in the next. And if, you know, if he makes you healthy, awesome. Should we thereby hold, you know, like look, uh, look suspiciously on other means whereby to become healthy? No, 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 no. You know, like some of our closest friends, 
you know, seek counseling and, you know, take medication for mental health issues. So there's no stigma attached to those things by any way, shape or form. But we shouldn't think that like leaving no stone unturned means looking frantically in every direction for simultaneous means whereby to become happy, healthy and holy as if they were the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't mean that in a way that's yeah to be taken offensively or to be taken judgmentally. It's just simply to say to be patient with yourself, to be patient with the Lord. And then, you know, to, to weigh, to sort out, to integrate the counsel of those whom you receive all on the, on, or in the context of this life's pilgrimage. Great. I think that's helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, excellent. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to, to this episode on spiritual direction and counseling and some, I guess, of our insights as priests, however young and inexperienced um, with respect to the relationship between the two. Uh, if you think someone might benefit from from tuning in, as always, please feel free to share, um, like the episode, subscribe on YouTube, do the things that help us as you have been. We're grateful for it. Uh, thanks, too, for our Patreon supporters. Uh, your support, financial support, of course, always helps us to continue to kind of grow uh, grow the podcast and, w and witness and preach the gospel more effectively and more expansively. Uh, thanks for yeah tuning into this episode. Our Thursday episodes continue to drop regularly. Our guest planning episodes on uh, every other Monday and our lives planning every other Friday. So tune into those too. Um, know of our prayers for you. And until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.